Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. We continue our Why Pro-Life series today in the aftermath of the Supreme Court Dobbs decision. Now, this decision overruling Roe versus Wade has the left in full-fledged panic mode. (laughs) The the Daily Wire has a series of articles uh, on this where Ben Shapiro says that that outsized panic has manifested as a variety of unconvincing or blatantly immoral arguments. The argument that abortion is a necessary adjunct to women's freedom, as though conception doesn't exist, and as though women are never responsible for their own sexual decisions and the consequences thereof. The argument that unless society provides for any number of government programs, abortion should not be prohibited as though the solution to lack of universal child care is the death of a child. It doesn't make sense. The argument that conservatives will next attempt to outlaw interracial marriage. Well, that's absurd, just simply on its, on its face. Underlying all of this is a perverse and in inverted view of a child's role in society. It really boils down to that. To the left, children in the womb are utterly disposable. At best, women may choose to pre- preserve their lives, but if not, they have no separate interests to be considered. In fact, children are to be treated as potential obstacles as Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said uh, just a few weeks ago, where she said, quote, access to reproductive health care, including abortion, helped lead to increased labor force participation. Whoa. It enabled many women to finish school that increased their earning potential, unquote. This explains why the left has now embraced the, the language of forced birth to describe laws protecting the unborn. Pregnancy is no longer seen as a possible biological outgrowth of sexual activity, but as a dramatic foreign imposition on women. The the default for the left is childlessness. Pregnancy is, is somehow unnatural. Thus, the entire Democratic Party apparatus now refuses to you know, count, countenance even the, the mildest restrictions on abortion all the way to the point of birth. Once children are born, the left sees them as sources of grief and pain for their parents. This, too, cuts in favor of abortion. As former President Barack Obama, you may remember this, once stated about his daughters, quote, if they make a mistake, I don't want them punished with a baby. Unquote. Babies are life-sucking entities. They're, they're depriving women of opportunity and freedom, which explains why the left has now embraced the argument that unless government somehow re- relieves parents of their responsibility to raise and care for their own children, abortion ought to be broadly available. 
As children grow, the, the left sees them as the center of recruitment efforts on behalf of their their favorite politics. Children should be indoctrinated into the ideas of radical essentialism and historic guilt so as to turn them into political widgets on behalf of a utopian social change. Children should be confused about the nature of biological sex and gender so as to justify the sexual attitudes of narcissistic adults. Hence the left's outsized rage at Florida's parental rights in education bill, which merely banned sexual orientation and gender theory uh, indoctrination for children through third grade. As the San Francisco Gay Men's Choir, uh, they, they sang, and we actually played it here on the podcast uh, back in 2021, they sang this. It says, quote, you think that we'll corrupt your kids if our agenda goes unchecked. Funny, just this once, you're correct. We'll convert your children. Happens bit by bit. And it goes on. No wonder Joe Biden told teachers two, two weeks ago, or a little over two weeks ago, they're, they're all our children. They're not somebody else's children. They're like yours. Then they're in the classroom, unquote. In all of this, the fundamental uh, uh, incident is that the adulthood lies in one primary task, protecting and defending children. This means bearing children is a gift, not an obstacle. This means that children should not be treated as autonomous adults while adults escape responsibility for their own decisions. This means raising children in line with values that ensure their stability and happiness, even if that means a tougher life for adults. But getting beyond how the left sees and treats children, Tim Mead shows us that it was science that helped win the abortion debate when he writes, in 1983, Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor predicted that medical advances would soon eliminate the standard that was established in Roe v. Wade to determine when life begins in the womb. These technological improvements would wind up making the so-called right to abortion obsolete if pro-choice advocates relied solely on science, she implied. Now, flash forward to 2022, in the wake of the Supreme Court uh, of the United States overturning Roe, it is abundantly clear that not only was O'Connor correct, but Democratic leaders have, by and large, abandoned all pretense of caring about the, the data regarding the child in the womb. Instead, Democratic officials now insist women have a, quote, sacred, unquote, right to abortion through all nine months of pregnancy, regardless of the viability standard. Yet, while Democratic leaders may not care about the, the science, polls and personal antidotes of, uh, of both doctors and mothers, new technology such as you know, ultrasounds and utero surgery um, has, has shifted Americans' understanding of when life begins in the womb thereby changing the abortion debate. In 1973, the court outlined in, in Roe that the, that, that the state had an important and legis, uh, legis, legitimate interest in 
potential life, and that the compelling point is viability. This is so because the fetus presumably has the capability of meaningful life outside the mother's womb. It placed viability around 24 to 28 weeks. The court also observed that, and, and get this, I mean, this is what the, the under the case of, of Roe v. Wade, this is what the court said when they set up Roe v. Roe v. Wade. The court also observed that some argue that the women's, women's rights is absolute and that she is entitled to terminate her pregnancy at whatever time, in whatever way, and for whatever reason she alone chooses. With this, we do not agree. Really. In doing so, the court acknowledged that the standard of viability could change based on new data and that a woman does not have the right to abortion on demand without her, her pregnancy, throughout her pregnancy. I mean, that, that's the court that ruled Roe v. Wade. That's what they said. Now, in 1983, in a dissenting opinion in Akron versus Akron Center for Reproductive Health, O'Connor argued that the Roe framework, as she called it, is clearly on a collision course with itself. <laughs> as the medical risks of various abortion procedures decrease, the point at which the state may uh, regulate for reasons of maternal health is moving forward to actual childbirth. As medical science becomes better able to provide for and, and separate uh, existence of, of fetus, of the fetus, the point of viability is moved further back toward conception. Indeed, medical advances have changed science's understanding of life as well as its potential to survive outside the womb. In, in 2021, columnist Chris Cunningham observed that at the time Roe was decided, babies born younger than 28 weeks could not, could not be expected to survive. Today, babies born before that have a 79% chance of surviving. In terms of actual viewing the, the child in the womb, the use of ultrasound, and perhaps that alone ha has been the most game-changing technology. According to Dr. Uh, Tara Sander Lee, who's a senior fellow and director of life scientists at Charlotte uh, Lozier Institute, Dr. Lee is also a, a Harvard-trained scientist who previously... Uh, directed a research laboratory um, investigating uh, congenial heart disease in children. She said this, quote, the black and white dots of an ultrasound before Roe could barely identify the head of an unborn child in the womb, much less identify the heartbeat at six weeks, watch the child at 15 weeks suck its thumb, or even cry when receiving an anesthetic uh, injection prior to uh, life-saving surgery in Europe. Uh, 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 in, in the womb. Dr. Lee said, all, uh, all of that is possible today and even routine. What expectant mothers now see is a living, moving child inside them with a face and behaviors that will last a lifetime. Modern ultrasound technology lets us see with our, our own eyes what both science and our hearts have already known, which is the, the undeniable humanity of the unborn child is what she said. She says that science confirms the ultrasound shows that unborn babies respond to touch and taste just like you and me. They feel, um, they, they feel pain. 
and 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 with fully formed noses and lips and eyes and eyebrows and fingers and toes, they explore the world around them. And with advancements in surgical technologies, unborn babies are even treated inside the womb like any other patient uh, from as early as 15 weeks. Indeed, activists like uh, Ashley McGuire um, also conjure uh, with, with that line of reasoning. Uh, in two, 2018, McGuire told The Atlantic, quote, the pro-life message has been for the last 40-something years that the fetus is a life, and it is a human life worthy of all the rights that the rest of us have. That's been more of an abstract concept until about the last decade or so. She added that when, you, when you're seeing a baby sucking its thumb at 18 weeks, smiling and clapping, it becomes harder to square that idea that 20-week-old, that unborn baby or fetus is discardable. And, and an oft-repeated line from, from pro-choice advocates is that the baby is just a clump of cells and, and nothing more. However, the ultrasound shows that the abortion lobby uh, tried um, and, and, and really relied on that old argument. And it's a lie, is what Dr. Lee said. Modern science reveals the humanity of the unborn child, that the truth is now visible for all Americans. And it's time to give the unborn a voice in this matter of life. Many polls would indicate that, the, that most Americans agree with her. In fact, we see in 2019, uh, American political sciences uh, uh, and, and Harris poll uh, of, of almost 1,300 registered voters revealed that, that over half support overturning uh, or modifying Roe. Uh, the, the, the poll also found that 70% of voters supported making abortion legal only within the first trimester. Furthermore, data would seem to indicate that as, as discussions increase about the late-term abortion, that, that they actually entail, what they actually entail, the public actually becomes more pro-life, not less. And in, in, uh, in 2019, a February poll conducted by Marist and sponsored by the Knights of Columbus found that Americans are now as likely to identify as pro-life, 47%, as they are pro-choice, 47%. In January of that year, a similar uh, Marist survey found that Americans were more likely to identify as pro-choice than pro-life, 55% to 38 That's a 17-point gap. And, and what appears to drive that change was the conversation in the media surrounding former Virginia Governor Ralph uh, Northam, he's a Democrat, uh, his indication that he would allow a baby to die after undergoing a botched abortion. Uh, it, as it's related to to a bill being actually pushed by um, state Democrats, which would make late-term abortions legal. Though the, the question still remains, if the science shows that life begins earlier than the standard set in 1973, and the polls indicate that Americans want some restrictions on abortion, then why are Democrat Democratic leaders pushing for abortion to remain legal through all nine months of labor? I mean, Majority Leader Senator uh, Chuck Schumer uh, announced that the, the Senate would hold a vote on the Women's Health Product, uh, uh, Protection Act. Uh, that would establish a right to abortion through all nine months of pregnancy in all 50 states. And the, the National Review noted that around the same time, Ohio State 
uh, Senate, uh, Ohio Senate candidate, Congressman Tim Ryan, he's a, Demo- a Democrat from there, also told the, the, um, the media that abortion should remain legal for all 40 weeks. Well, the Democratic Party's focus appears to have more shifted solely uh, to the women's rights to choose, her, her bodily autonomy and her uh, supposed privacy. What is, what is never mentioned in the left's defense of such you know, uh, stages and things is the baby. Uh, science has indisputably shown that Roe's standard of viability is outdated. I mean, the simple fact that if the Democrats didn't acknowledge that science has won, that the fetus is not just a clump in a lump of cells, then they would have to recognize that the fetus for what it is, a human being with an inalienable right to life. That would, that would settle the abortion question once and for all, of course, though this doesn't seem possible for the left to accept. But as, as Kristen Hawkinson um, writes, for, uh, the, the, the real work for the, the pro-lifers is, is really just beginning. Almost 50 years ago, seven men uh, spotted the, the word abortion written in invisible ink in the nation's founding constitution. And, and in, in two decisions, Roe v. Wade and Doe versus Bolton, they destroyed all abortion laws in the 50 states. It created legal chaos. <laughs> they bullied their, their pro-abortion viewpoint into the law with, with, without evidence or a trial or even any national consensus. They also made possible the deaths of more than 63 million pre-born infants and counting. But according to the Supreme Court's decision in the Dobbs versus Jackson case, Roe and Doe are now historical footnotes. Despite the frenzied response of the billion-dollar abortion franchise, the, the sky is not falling, although their, their profits might be. <laughs> In fact, what happens next is a return to the issue of abortion to the states for a decision and a debate blocked by the courts for, for too long. The, the reason is simple. While abortion is not in the Constitution, states' rights are. Roe's flaws in blocking engagement with the people drew even the ire of pro-abortion Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who, like many people, believed the Supreme Court was mistaken when it bypassed we the people and, and, and invited no dialogue with legislators. It also had, had no connection to logic or, or even law. In, in 1973, in the Yale Law Journal, uh, legal uh, luminary John Hart Ellie wrote a devastating analysis of Roe's flaws. Though he supported abortion, he knew Roe and Doe were just simply nonsense. Ellie uh, ridiculed the Supreme Court's choice for viability as a magic moment that, that offered certain rights to, to humans without explaining the, the reasoning behind that unprecedented line of gestational sand. The state has a right to make laws, even, even when humans are not involved. Ellie wrote that, in fact, it has never been held or even asserted that the state interest needed to justify forcing a person to, to refrain from an activity, whether or not that activity is constitutionally protected. Most impl- implicate either the life or the constitutional rights of, of another person. Like, for instance, dogs are not 
persons in the whole sense, nor have they constitutional rights, right? But that does not mean that the state cannot prohibit, you know, a, a, a killing of them. And that's an important point. Can a state pass laws to protect preborn life? Well, before 1973, the answer was yes. And we've been trying to get back to that ever since. After Roe shut down most discussion on abortion, several cases challenged its iron rule. Not much happened. But in 1992, a case known as Planned Parenthood versus Casey kind of cracked the door open a little bit to more regulation of abortion. It's important to understand that prior to Roe, all, almost all states severely limited abortion or limited it to saving a mother's life. And that's how it'll be again, each state making a choice. And pro-choice is supposed to be a good thing, right? Well, today, 26 states are already putting limits on the, the deadly procedure. And, and Students for Life Action has been actually working to, to add even more. O over the last two years, Students for Life Action has worked in 30 states to rebuild protections for life with the emphasis on each abortion, and an and early abortion. Uh, as, as more than 9 in 10, you may not know this, but, but more than 9 in 10 abortions take place by 12 weeks, according to the CDC. And as, as we said to, to, to members of Congress, if, if we are not focused on limiting early abortions, we're not really addressing the violence of abortion at all. One example is, is heartbeat legislation that protects uh, humans with the universal sign of life. Um, we, th th this particular uh, organization uh, also worked on, on a ban online uh, to test uh, distribution of, of, uh, of chemical abortion pills that have, have left women just injured and infertile and even dead in some cases, and that now are used to commit at least 54% of all abortions. Um, and, and, and while they, they work to protect life uh, in law, they also work to protect life in service. For, for them, the, 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 the SFLA, the, they, that means that, that they have initiatives like Standing With You Initiative that connects women with vital resources. The, the, the pro-life movement has always prioritized caring for women and, and, and their children, and, and uh, whether they're born or unborn. Um, and, and despite what, what the pro-choice movement says, uh, and, and they've said, quote, we live in a country with about 30, or, or I'm sorry, with about 3000 pregnancy resource centers and approximately 400 maternity homes offering free services and tangible support to women and their families during pregnancy and motherhood. Now, while the pro-life movement is making plans to expand legal protections for the preborn and their mothers, um, they, they, they are as well adding supportive services uh, for them. O others uh, prepare to, to bring abortion violence to the streets. I mean, pro-life pro work today means being ready for ugly confrontations. It's just the way it is. Um, and, and, and many, many courageous millennials, Gen Zers and, and Gen Yers are ready to, to take their place on the front lines, um, uh, to, to make abortion unthinkable and unimaginable. Their, their love is fierce and focused, uh, and, and they're, and they're ready to, to vote pro-life first. It, it, things are just changing. On the other side, 
all they have is the deliberate ending of innocent life for profit, hidden behind some talking points. But if your health care kills people on purpose, you're doing it wrong. And yes, the debate is changing. And, and so, so are the hearts and the minds of those that support abortion even. Brett Cooper writes, under a year and a half ago, I was ambivalently pro-choice. I subscribed to the idea that if you truly want to encourage female empowerment and support limited government, promoting safe, legal, and rare abortions was the logical and philosophically consistent conclusion. However, due to the undeniable realities of what abortion actually is, I could never say that this conclusion was morally sound. So I took the easy way out, and I stayed above the fray, choosing to not touch the issue. That choice became increasingly difficult when I enrolled in a student, um, as a student at one of the most left-leaning universities in the country, UCLA. <laughs> Abortion and a woman's right to choose were daily topics of passionate conversation. And I soon realized that the people I was surrounded by didn't believe the legal abortion would be rare, as I assumed. They were actually an unapologetically pro-abortion. Young women on campus preached that abortion itself was an act of empowerment. My sorority sisters chose to use abortion as a casual form of birth control, she writes. Professors and students alike presented weak, biologically incorrect arguments on the dispensability of, of fetuses. Everywhere I turned, I was faced with the fact that the pro-choice movement was not about limiting government and, and promoting individual choice. Instead, I saw that it was fueled by a false sense of empowerment and a blatant disregard for personal responsibility. And it was the realization, it was that realization that sparked the, the three-pronged process of dismantling my already vulnerable conviction. To, be, to begin, if, if there is anything that I value as much as individual freedom, it's accountability. And I, and I hold myself to immeasurably high standards with an almost radical kind of responsibility for my life. Given this, I realized that there was no way I could logically hold these values while simultaneously executing irresponsible sexual behavior that wouldn't would lead to the murder of unborn children. Supporting this conclusion is the, is the fact that over 96%, yes, over 96% of abortions take place due to social or economic reasons, also known as out of convenience, over 96%. Second of all, I was awakened to the fact that in all my attempts to support the individual rights of a pregnant woman, I had blatantly ignored the right of other individuals the unborn child, how could I argue that I was pro-choice on the basis of liberty if my conclusion was infringing upon not just the rights, but the very existence of another individual? And more importantly, an individual with no representation who played no role in creating the situation. Finally, I learned that abortion was considered for my own life struck in an uh, stuck in an unhappy marriage 
on the path to divorce, my father concluded that abortion should be the, the solution to the unplanned, unwanted pregnancy that was me. Despite an, an unknown marital uh, future, my mother fought back, she says. However, it didn't end that way. My father demanded uh, demands were the catalyst for my mom searching her own convictions and changing her long-term held libertarian pro-choice stance. With me, the issue became personal, and she delved deeper into the moral question surrounding the abortion a self a self as selfish as it might sound learning that someone believed my own life would be disposable was the coup de grace for my transformation obviously leaving behind my pro-choice convictions as weak as they were did not happen overnight this is a nuanced complex issue that should be approached with empathy and from a perspective of thoughtful moral reflection. The the harsh reality of abortion, the murder of an unborn child, should not keep people from approaching the subject of unwanted pregnancies with grace and with support and, and solutions for women who find themselves in difficult situations. This is an issue of morality, not a cheap political game. I would completely agree with that. You may not, and and I would love to hear from you on that. I would love to make this a conversation starter, and you can always do that at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening.